Do you ever just like open Realtor and browse around Phil? It's almost addictive. Once you start looking for things, you can't put it down. <laughs> Even after getting a place, I still open Realtor. I don't know why. <laughs> just well, looking. into that a little bit deeper. <laughs> hey, I'm Phil. And I'm Leora, and you're listening to What's Next In. So, Leora, I have uh, some news, uh, some frustrating news. I am trying to get into the housing market in Toronto, and I am so sad. It's so tough right now. (laughs) It's unfortunate because I feel like in life, when you're at a milestone to buy a house, it should be a big deal, right? It's a big milestone. There's probably a lot of excitement around that. And yet, in today's day and age, if you're telling me you're buying a house, the first thought isn't, wow, congrats, it's such an exciting point in your life. It's like, oh no, there (laughs) you go. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the the wild thing too is that if we're, Danielle and I are looking at places, everything is going 200, 250, $300,000 over asking. uh, And I just see no end in sight. And what's ridiculous is that it's not just downtown Toronto, although I think that's kind of probably one of the worst points of it in Canada. It's happening everywhere. In fact, I think I was reading an article the other day that was mentioning that a lot of people are now moving to kind of a lot of more rural areas, even East Coast, which traditionally didn't have a lot of, you know, young people moving and buying a lot of property there. And we're seeing, I feel like a lot of these increases, not just in places like Toronto or Vancouver, but places that, I mean, just a few years ago, you never even think of moving to, whether it's like rural god knows where but now again they're going again 100k over 200 it's insane and to add more fuel to the fire you could say is that cost of everything else is just getting more and more expensive you know inflation just means that your dollar goes less uh, farther right and whether it's food or it's fuel or it's your cell phone or your tv like it's impossible to get things even in stock anymore, but also they're just getting more expensive. I feel like, you know, when we think of like Canada or the States, we often think about like abundance, like there's so much of everything. There's so much stuff and money and all this. Um, But I feel like these days, especially with the pandemic and supply chain issues, we're almost not used to the idea that there is actually a hint of a lack of abundance. Like money's getting a little tighter. Not every organization is able to keep up with inflation for a raise or annual raises or whatever that looks like housing is going crazy and yeah i feel like people are realizing their dollar is going to go a lot less far than it may have in previous years Mm -hmm. and i I think it's particularly impactful for our generation right because we're a generation that are kind of coming of age starting our careers at the same time where uh, university was more expensive education was more expensive housing is more expensive uh, and I look at our, our parents' generation and what they were able to afford with the salaries that they had is just so much more than what we're able to afford now. And it, it almost feels like the only way that you can get into the housing market is if you have parents that can help you. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, how do you feel about that? Like, do you think that's true? I do. I'm, I mean, I don't think that's the only way that you can get in, but it definitely, um, there's definitely paths in life that make it easier to be able to get a house. Um, So for example, if your parents are able to support you with your education, then you might not be as um, stressed to work while you uh, are completing your education. And then you can save a whole lot more throughout, you know, those kind of moments when you start going to the workforce, as opposed to 
you know, having the stress of, I have to pay for my education, pay for all these extra things. And then once you're kind of in the job market, then it's time to start saving for the down payment. What's crazy is all these articles coming out. Um, and I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but just these articles that are saying like, oh, if you're making like this salary and it's like a nice cushy salary, it'll take you this many years to afford anything in like Vancouver, Ottawa, Toronto, whatever it is. And it's so discouraging because I feel like our generation on, you know, like if I think about, you know, our friend group, Phil, people are doing the right things. Like they're going to school, they're getting degrees, multiple degrees, PhDs, for example, I'm looking mm -hmm. at you and, and you know, all in these incredible things. And yet um, just the way that the economy is going, it's not as straightforward to say you did all the right things. You checked all the right boxes it naturally means you can afford a house. That's not really the case. And like it was for maybe previous generations, like our parents, um, it was a bit easier to kind of check the right boxes and then be like, yeah, you can get a house because you got that job, you have a bit of a salary and it just makes sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know some people will, will blame low interest rates, right? They'll blame federal governments for or around the world for pumping money into the economy during a pandemic, which, you know, you could argue uh, one way or the other where that was the right thing to do, given the unprecedented times that we were facing. Oh, yes. The unprecedented time. Unprecedented. The but, word I learned more yeah. in the last couple of years than I've ever used in my whole life. But yeah. Eventually, I feel like uh, if everything is unprecedented, then what's 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 sentited? What's what's, <laughs> what's precedented? What's, what's posted? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I you know me for especially in the Toronto market, like I, I fundamentally think it's lack of supply. I don't think that like raising interest rates is really going to change anything. And a lot of uh, people are, you know, not having the conversation about there simply aren't enough homes and homes aren't being built up fast enough to for the population growth that we're seeing, especially as the federal government has said that they want to increase immigration rates, immigration rates. Yes. And, you know, being an immigrant myself, like, obviously, yes, I think immigration is really important and uh, it, it makes us a better country and more diverse and et cetera. But there's a limit to that, right? Like if, if we have people who can't afford homes, and I find that this is such a conversation that gets very political very quickly yes. on uh, whether it's immigration or housing affordability or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it begs the question, like, if this isn't going to go anywhere because the supply is going to be so low, then how, how do we fix it? What do we do to increase the supply? How do we continue to support not only the people who live here, but the numbers of people coming in? Yeah, um, it's crazy. And, you know, just on the topic of even just the Toronto housing market. So I very fortunate enough happened to get into the market right as the pandemic hit. So I live in a bit of a new neighborhood, like it's a bunch of new builds, a lot of new houses. And what's wild is just the amount of people in this area who are from Toronto yeah. who realize that their dollar goes, you know, if they're spending X amount on a place in a condo in Toronto and they don't need to be tied to Toronto, they realize that they can get a bit more land and area um, in Ottawa. And what's crazy is that I'm realizing that a lot of the houses around my area, which are like single or townhouses, fairly large, um, I check realtor and most of them are actually for rent. Oh, so, interesting. what's crazy oh, investment. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel that the people who are, who I'm noticing around here, the ones who are living here, this is just from my street. This is by no means like what's happening in Canada, but even just in my little neighborhood in Ottawa, there are a number of people who are moved from Toronto and the folks that, and this is a big generalization, but the folks, um, otherwise seem to be renting a lot of these houses. Um, and these are like streets of houses, single, like detached or townhouses that 
are for rent, which I mean, perhaps I wasn't as into the real estate market in the last several years, but I don't really remember like streets of houses on realtor being for rent, not just for sale. Um, that's, you know, there might be a few here and there, but traditionally it's more like downtown areas or condos or apartments, but it's just crazy that, you know, I kind of look around and realize, oh my God, a bunch of rich people bought these streets and they're renting them out. Like, yeah, that's crazy. What do you think about that? Yeah. So I know the stat and it, it was just published recently last year, one in five, 20% of the houses that were sold were for investment properties. 20%. I actually, I I see that stat just on my like couple streets around me alone. Yeah. And uh, to me, I actually think it's, it's, it's terrible and it's disgusting because homes uh, should be for people to live in, not for investing. Exactly. Uh, and or, it's- or, you know what? I understand real estate investment. If a country had the like support for people not to have a struggling housing crisis. Mm-hmm. If we're in a housing crisis and we're seeing all of these houses investments, I begin to question um, almost ethics, right? Like how can we be in a point where all of these houses are used for investments and yet so many people can't even get a single property? Mm-hmm. It's funny, uh, when we first started this podcast, uh, when the pen- like I think it was the first year of the pandemic, we had a conversation on the K-shaped recovery, right? Mm-hmm. How some people were better off and they would continue to get better off and some people who weren't would continue to not to. And I, I think it's just exasperated. And, uh, you know, we kind of, I, it, we were talking about something that was going to come true and it, it absolutely came true. And it's no more apparent than in the housing market. And I think the housing market has actually become like a symbol for um, like not only polarization, but the fact that there's a class disparity now. And it's becoming harder and harder for people. It's just yet another thing, another barrier that separates those uh, that have and those who don't. And it's it's almost like not just separating it, but like like far, far apart from one another. If we think about people who are overbidding two, three hundred thousand dollars, that's not just your typical overbid. You're competing with your you know, people who are perhaps in the same range. That's just complete overshot. Like these people have money. And if I kind of start to think about like what's next, at least what's next for real estate, one of the, you know, um, things that is coming up is this idea of bidding, like open bidding instead of blind bidding. So moving away from how much money can I throw on and cross my fingers, but actually having a bit more transparency, which traditionally was not at all the case for real estate. And there's companies, I think it's called Unreserved, that's popping up where you're actually starting to bid and see other bids going on. But I kind of see pros and cons to it, but curious what you think about, you know, apps like Unreserved where you can actually see other people's bids. Is it going to save people money? Is it better for housing? Or what do you think is next there? Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned Unreserved because uh, Danielle and I actually went to go see an apartment, like a condo that was listed on Unreserved. And it was really interesting to see them uh, operate. Uh, I know that they started in Ottawa, but they've now expanded to Toronto. Um, So I'm of two minds on this. The first is that there's actually been a lot of studies to show that open bidding actually leads to higher prices. Exactly. Because if you're closed bidding, like you're you're not really sure and and you can't really blame the fault or whatever, but open bidding, there's that. What's another thousand? What's another 10? I'm just so close. I've already put in so much money. The behavioral part of it is actually ridiculous because it's so much more enticing to put just a bit more because of 
this idea of the sunk cost. Like I've already put in this much. These are huge numbers anyway. I can't even grasp how much money this is. What's another few K, 10 K, and then you work your way up. And, and the, the, the wild thing too, is that once that property gets sold at that value, that sets the bar for all of the other properties in that same area or same building or whatever it may be. Yeah. So, you know, in places, in places around the world that have housing markets that aren't uh, in crisis, that aren't shorted like this, then I think open bidding makes a lot of sense because it, 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 it's a, a transparent, it's a fair way to go about it. But in a situation where uh, it's really a runaway housing market at this point, yeah. and people are more emotionally charged to get into the housing market because of fear of missing out. And if I don't do it now, then I never will. Yeah. I had no friends who were looking for the past year and they've stopped looking because the prices have gone out of their budget. Yeah. So uh, I can understand too how having an open bidding process and having been seeing that, you know, it's almost, they've almost gamified it. If you've ever been on the, on the website uh, and, and that, that in and of itself is really, really stressful. So I don't know if that's, I don't actually know if that's like the best way to go for it. <laughs> so in the ideal world, you're looking for a condo. There's a million other people looking at these condos. I'm sure. What do you think is next? Like what, what do you think would make for something that's a bit more fair for people like, you and Danielle who want to get their first place and who are well set up to. Yeah, honestly, I think it's all about supply. I, what we really need to do is build more homes and at every level and gap, right? If, if you build more affordable housing and more purpose-built housing for people with lower incomes, then that just frees up more space um, for, uh, along the entire supply chain. Right. So when people think about, you know, building affordable housing and like, it doesn't help me out. Actually it does. It, 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 it reverberates across the housing market. So just getting more supply of any type onto the housing market, especially those at the lower bracket will help everyone. So what I think is next, what I hope is next in is that um, we start to see cutting away of the, of the red tape and the nimbyism and all these sorts yes. of things that are happening. And, and then we start to see more developments pop up and, you know, I, I, I have my problems with uh, the Doug Ford government, I'll tell you that. But the one, one thing that I think that they've done well recently is they've announced the steps to try to lower the barriers to get things, more things built. And I actually do think that fundamentally it's a supply issue. And the, the best, it's not the cool tech startups or the, the new apps that are going to help with, uh, with bidding or all these sorts of things, Tinder for your home. It, it's just fundamentally building more supply. Absolutely. And I see that even where I'm at, again, as I mentioned, I'm in this kind of new area um, and driving like five, 10 kilometers radius around where I live, there's new developments popping up everywhere, which is sad because all of the forests are gone. That's a different discussion for a different podcast, but um, they're being snagged up fast. So out of curiosity, we'd walk in and just kind of look at the, you know, what lots are available and it's, it's sold out, right? There's lottery systems for people just to even get a new build, like let alone if you have money or not. So um, I definitely think that supply is a huge issue they're building, but it's just, it's almost not fast enough. And there has to be enough for people across, like you mentioned, like all parts of uh, the supply chain and kind of income status. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, but I am just going to keep on looking and then hoping and praying and you know, who knows, maybe one day I'll be able to afford a, a shoebox on the corner of a street somewhere. <laughs> well, good luck with your search, Bill. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate it. Pray for me. 